Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. I am your host, Eric Christensen, pharmacist. Uh, You can track me down on LinkedIn is a good way to find me. Uh, Also through the website, reallifepharmacology.com. Hit the contact button and uh, send me your thoughts on uh, whatever it is you'd you'd like me to hear about. So uh, with that, today I'm going to cover pioglitazone. And the uh, brand name on this medication is Actos, uh, used in the management of type 2 diabetes. That's really the only thing uh, I've ever seen it used for in clinical practice uh, from the classification uh, TZDs. And really, pioglitazone is the only drug at this point left in this class. Uh, Rosiglitazone was basically uh, pulled off the market due to risks of uh, cardiac problems and, and things of that nature. So, uh, with that, in the management of diabetes, lowering blood sugar, how does it do it? What is its mechanism of action? Uh, so, mechanism of action, if you ever see this on your pharmacology exams, is an agonist at PPAR gamma. And that has multiple different effects, uh, but basically alters. Um, glucose and lipid breakdown and and various other things. Um, But primarily, I think what's remembered most is that it improves uh, the response to insulin and particularly increases insulin, or excuse me, reduces insulin resistance out in the periphery in the muscles and liver and things of that nature and allows um, blood sugars to go down through that mechanism. So, um, when I think about that mechanism, um, I do always remember that it does not stimulate the release of insulin. So, you know, you think of sulfonylureas, they actually stimulate the release of insulin. And drugs that either are insulin or stimulate the release of insulin have a higher likelihood of hypoglycemia. So, uh, pioglitazone, you know, by itself, um, probably not a really strong potential uh, to produce hypoglycemia. Now, if you're using it in combo with another agent uh, like insulin or the sphonyreals, like I mentioned, you know, then it's probably a little bit higher risk uh, type of situation. So kind of coupling in, let's pull in some of the, the side effects and the issues with pioglitazone because uh, it's really fallen out of favor. It's very seldom that I see it used anymore. And, you know, it may have been due to all the negative press as far as rosiglitazone, um, but probably one of the, the biggest disadvantages is it can cause weight gain. So in management of type 2 diabetes, these patients are generally overweight already. Adding a diabetes medication that causes weight gain, uh, not an ideal thing to do. So that's definitely a, a disadvantage. Um, the other probably major side effect, big disadvantage that you're going to see in practice uh, is this side effect of edema and coupled with that, the possibility of exacerbating uh, heart failure. So there is a boxed warning on this medication 
that patients who have symptomatic heart failure, this drug is absolutely contraindicated. So, and specifically, uh, New York Heart Association class three or four. Um, but you know, if if I see a patient with a diagnosis of heart failure, uh, it's pretty much the last uh, diabetes drug I'm going to think of wanting to try to give a, a patient. So those are kind of the downsides of the, the medication. Uh, a couple of potential advantages that are you know, good for diabetes patients is, uh, from an adherence perspective, it is only once a day. And also from an adherence perspective, it is inexpensive as well. So some of the newer agents, which can you know maybe help with weight loss and things of that nature, which are really good for type 2 diabetes, like the GLP-1 agonists, for example, uh, maybe the SGLT2s, uh, at this time, those are really, really expensive agents. Um, and if insurance coverage is inadequate or things of that nature, uh, that can be, really be a, a big uh, downside uh, to some of, of those medications. A couple of other side effects that I've seen come up, I've had asked uh, questions about um, bladder cancer. So this is something that has been, um, you know, probably blown up in the news a little bit. Uh, I, I've seen some evidence that maybe shows a slightly higher association, but I've seen some evidence that says, yeah, maybe not. Um, so this is probably an ongoing area of research. You know, with with that said, you know, if you've got somebody uh, with active bladder cancer or a history of bladder cancer, um, you know, if we've got another option available for type 2 diabetes, which we often do, you're probably generally going to avoid this. Again, you know, until we maybe see more kind of conclusive evidence one way or another, uh, but that is something that, that comes up. So a lot of clinical common sense, if we've got other options we can use, um, and we're worried about an at-risk patient for cancer or something, uh, bladder cancer, you know, then we're, we're probably going to avoid it. Uh, if uh, we get more evidence on that, you know, I, I might change my mind and, and maybe, you know, more or less concerned about that, depending upon where the, the evidence leads us there. Uh, one other thing uh, that comes up is uh, maybe a slightly increased risk of uh, bone fracture as well. So patients at risk, uh, for osteoporosis, you know, maybe they're on, um, you know, chronic steroids already for some other condition or something like that. You know, you might think about that um, bone fracture risk a little bit with uh, pioglitazone. Again, you know, very, very rare uh, things that, that come up, um, but definitely things that, that I have heard of from time to time. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and then I will tackle drug interactions with pioglitazone. Uh, if you're in, in the market for Naplex, BCPS, BCGP, BCACP, uh, definitely check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. It has a great list of resources. We've got books, um, just good clinical information uh, that can really help you know nurse practitioners, PAs, pharmacists, of course, uh, and students, you know, become better uh, clinicians and, and better at managing medications and using medications appropriately. So, so go check out those those resources, help support the podcast at the same time. Uh, greatly appreciated at uh, meded101.com slash store. Moving on to drug interactions. 
with uh, drug interactions, pioglitazone, you know, I, I don't generally strongly think there's a ton of drug interactions, but there are a few um, that, that may came up from, come up from time to time. Uh, one of the first things I think about is that risk for edema, risk for exacerbating heart failure. We're probably not going to want to use this drug in that situation anyway. Um, but I do think about drugs where, you know, maybe we're on a low dose of pioglitazone and we add in um, maybe an NSAID or patient starts taking pregabalin or maybe they start taking amlodipine for uh, hypertension. Again, these are drugs that can kind of have additive effects on the uh, edema side of things. So uh, something I definitely watch out for if I see a patient that maybe has had uh, an increase in furosemide or maybe they, you know, just started a, a loop diuretic for fluid retention, um, something you, you need to think about as far as, far as that prescribing cascade and the risk of polypharmacy. Uh, some other drug interactions. So I, I mentioned, I kind of hinted at hypoglycemia risk. If you've got a patient on insulin already um, or you're adding insulin and they're on this drug, uh, same thing with sulfonylureas, that may um, increase that risk of hypoglycemia a little bit. Uh, you may have to watch them a little bit closer as you're um, initiating, changing uh, those type of agents. A few others, um, trimethoprim, a combination in um, sulfamethoxazole, trimethoprim, or Bactrim, uh, does inhibit 2C8. And that is the enzyme that is uh, at least partially responsible for breaking down uh, pioglitazone. So you may see increased concentrations of, of pioglitazone, you know, maybe at more risk for some of those side effects. Uh, gemfibrazole is another example uh, that has some inhibitory effect at 2C8. So that's another one that I um, kind of think of. Again, the likelihood that somebody's on pioglitazone and gemfibrazone probably isn't very high because the drugs aren't used incredibly often, um, but it is uh, something to think about. Clopidogrel is another one, a brand name Plavix there, uh, that can potentially uh, increase those pioglitazone concentrations as well. So that kind of wraps up, I think, uh, important drug interactions. As always, with drug interactions, um, I highlight a few that I think are, are notable. Um, there's generally a laundry list of, of medications um, that uh, can cause drug interactions. So um, be aware of that, that I'm obviously not covering every single drug that could cause an interaction, but just want you to, to be alerted and aware of some of the common ones that may uh, be out there and may impact our, our patients clinically. With that, uh, go check out the website, reallifepharmacology.com. Snag your free top 200 study guides, a 31-page PDF, where I highlight really, really important testable things. So obviously a, a great um, resource for anybody, you know, taking any sort of board certification exam where, you know, pharmacology, pharmacotherapy is covered. So uh, go subscribe, get that absolutely for free, simply for following uh, the blog there. Uh, support sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, we've also got a couple of free Audible books there if you've never been an Audible member. So you can go, you can get your free book, uh, your first book, uh, absolutely free. So a really cool deal just to try out Audible. And you can get, you know, six, eight hours of Audible clinical content um, that you really can't find 
uh, many other places. And then if you loving the podcast where you're listening, uh, those ratings and reviews, uh, definitely, definitely appreciated. Uh, thank you to all of those uh, who are still listening to the podcast and have already done that. I'm incredibly appreciative of helping to, to grow our audience. And of course, uh, share us with a friend as well. Uh, colleagues, professors, uh, classmates, uh, all those uh, folks that need to know pharmacology and uh, like the clinical side of things there as well. I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, you can track me down on, on LinkedIn or at the website, reallifepharmacology.com. Have a good rest of your day.